Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Cleveland Guardians 8, the Detroit Tigers 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And does it feel good, Guardians fans, to be back in the win column? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. To beat the Detroit Tigers, a team we should be beating, a team we should take this series from, it feels really good. And it was one of those days where the Guardians just had a big offensive explosion, right? They just they score all their runs. They pad their stats in one day, and then we'll see what the rest of the week holds. And so, yeah, it was a fun offensive day. It was a fun Jose Ramirez day. Yeah, that's always a good time. So let's get into the storylines of this game because uh, it felt good to bounce back a little bit. It felt good to beat up on the Tigers, score some runs, have some rallies, and uh, and have some good pitching from Shane Bieber. You know, not not dominant stuff, not Cy Young stuff from Shane Bieber, but a solid win. A, you know, a solid controlled game where he goes eight innings, frankly, probably could have gone nine, probably could have got the complete game. He was only at 94 pitches. Um, but they wanted to get Emmanuel Classe some work in the ninth, and he he got work all right. He definitely worked for that. Uh, ends up loading the bases in the ninth, but Bieber probably could have gone for the complete game. Um, so yeah, so it's a really solid start, I guess you got to say, from Shane Bieber. All right, let's get into some of the details here because it looked like we might have another pitching duel on our hands for the first three innings. Faido uh, going for the Tigers. The rookie had just gotten his first win against Cleveland, his first major league win in his last outing. Actually, frankly, maybe pitches a little better in this one. I mean, at least lasts longer, goes six innings in this one. He only went five and a third, I believe, in his last outing. Gives up two runs in both. That time he got the win. This time he eats the loss because the Tigers' offense can't come up with anything against Shane Bieber. They didn't help themselves out by hitting into two double plays early in the game to end the first inning. Miguel Cabrera lines out on a 3-0 pitch, by the way. He's probably mad at himself for pulling the ball and not going the other way with this. Um, And then Candelario grounds into a double play to end the second inning. So yeah, it's kind of hard to get things going when you're just grounding into double plays. Uh, He does record his, Bieber records his first strikeout then in the third inning. It wasn't a huge strikeout day. But I felt like there were some very impactful, timely ones, especially in that fifth inning. I think you'll agree with me. With two outs, he ends up loading the bases on three singles. And you're thinking, oh boy, is this where Bieber's going to fall apart? We've seen him. I can tell you how many times I feel like I've seen Bieber end up in trouble in that fourth, fifth, sixth inning where the bases are loaded, some crazy situation, and he gets a double play to get out of it. Or he gets a bunch of strikeouts to get out of it. Well, this time he gets Tucker Barnhart to get out of it on uh, on three pitches, I believe. Um, just mows him down. So he starts him off with a slider at the knees, which he fouls off, throws him a knuckle curve on the outside edge, which he gets for a called strike, and then another knuckle curve, a swinging strike at the bottom of the zone. Uh, I will tell you that all of Bieber's swinging strikes, most of them came from below the zone. Most of them came from at the knees. Um it was a good job of keeping those breaking balls down uh, and getting those swinging strikes down there. Uh, there's a handful. It looks like about five sliders that he got swinging strikes on here, four knuckle curves on the illustrator, and then one fastball that was just 
off the plate to the arm side to Daz Cameron that he got him to chase. But keeping that breaking stuff down and getting some big swinging strikes down there. Uh, the game plan for Bieber looked like it was to throw the fastball to the arm side edge and then throw the slider to the glove side edge. Um, and then drop that knuckle curve on the arm side edge as well. He was really working that edge of the plate a lot in this game. Even through a couple of sliders there. Uh, but then letting that slider reach across the zone, letting a couple of those knuckle curves and change-ups come across the zone. Uh, but really looked like there was a plan of attack for Bieber here. Um, some definite definite grouping of pitches here on the Illustrator to show that he had a plan of attack and was hitting his spots. So that's good to see. It's not huge. I don't know why I'm, I'm starting on pitching, but I guess I got, got rolling on Shane Bieber, and I'm going to keep going on it. Um not huge eye-popping CSW numbers. Mixes six whiffs with six called strikes on a slider. Through the slider, the most on the day, 36 times. Uh, so it's a 33% CSW on that pitch. The four-seam fastball, like I said, that only one swing and miss on that one. But he did get eight called strikes on it. Uh, the knuckle curve was the most effective. He threw it efficiently only 18 times. But on 10 swings, four whiffs, a 40% whiff rate, pretty good. Uh, three called strikes on it's good for a 39% CSW on that pitch. It's a 32% CSW total on the day for Bieber. The velocity was still down on that four seam fastball. It was only averaging 90.6.1% less than his yearly average. Um, so yeah, the fastball velocity still wasn't excellent, but the location was good. The location was good. And that knuckle curve coming back and being, uh, you know, efficient pitch for him is nice to see. He's thrown it uh, less than he has thrown it in the past. I mean, last year he was at 31.2% knuckle curves. I know you remember the knuckle curve from 2020 when he wins the Cy Young. He actually threw it more last year in 2021, up at 31.2%. He also increased the slider percentage. Um, but then it drops this year. He's only throwing it 18% of the time, whereas he's throwing the slider the most at 40.8%, then the fastball 38%. And the curveball only at 18%. So he's picking his spots with it, but still being fairly efficient with it. Still getting decent whiff rate on it, on the curveball and the slider. Although those pitches were in the 40% whiff rate, they're down in the 30% whiff rate now. And we've already talked about the four-seam fastball, how that's dropped off a little bit for him as far as whiff and put-away percentage goes. So yeah, uh, it's not we're not seeing peak dominant Shane Bieber right now. He's still working for it. He's still working towards it, but a very, very good, efficient start from Bieber and one really nasty knuckle curve with the bases loaded to keep, you know, to keep this a close game. At that point, I mean, that rally that the Tigers put together is in the uh, is in the fifth inning. So the Guardians had just scored in the previous inning. In the fourth inning, they had scored two. So a couple of zeros go up on the board, and then, yeah, to put another zero on the board is huge from Bieber there. If he lets a couple runs come across in that inning, uh, then, you know, the Tigers might have felt like they were in that one. But instead, he's able to put up zeros until the Guardians put up a four spot in the seventh, and then it really felt like it was it was over. It was the Guardians game. At 6 nothing. it felt like the Guardians game. If that had been 2-2 going, you know, going into the seventh inning, who knows what the momentum looks like or anything like that. Uh, how the Tigers would then use their bullpen. It could have definitely changed the game there. Instead, he holds it down in that fifth inning and keeps it a 2-0 game. 
and it lets the Guardians run away with this one. All right, that is plenty of pitching talk on this one because the story of the day was definitely not uh, the pitching. The story of the day was Jose Ramirez and the Guardians offense because they go off. And you know what? Walks. They took advantage of walks, and they took advantage of runners in scoring position. Finally, finally, we get a good day for that. Five for 11 with runners in scoring position. They don't hit into any double plays. That's nice to see. So, yeah, a really good job by the offense. And it starts with a Jose Ramirez walk in the fourth inning. Owen Miller would line out. Owen Miller did not have a great day batting behind Jose Ramirez. Uh, he ends up one for five on the day, but doesn't contribute an RBI or a run. So he doesn't contribute to these rallies at all. So, yeah, Ugh, man, I've talked about it before. I think it's time to move Owen Miller. I think it is time for Josh Naylor to be hitting directly behind Jose Ramirez um, because he's the one that was been driving him in. So Ramirez gets on with the walk, makes him pay by stealing second base. That's a beautiful thing right there, right? You can pitch around a Miguel Cabrera. You might even be able to pitch around, you know, a judge or something like that. Although judge will steal bases too. Uh, Jose Ramirez, right? You pitch around him. He's just going to take second base from you. He's going to turn it into a double. So what are you really doing for yourself at that point? And that's what he does here. Gets himself in a scoring position. Then Josh Naylor delivers a double 105.8 miles per hour, 394 to that triangle, to that corner out in right center field uh, for the Tigers. It, it kind of is triples alley, but... You know, first off, Naylor does not run well. Naylor never ran well to begin with, was never that fast. With the leg injuries, he slowed down even more. And frankly, he goes into his home run trot here. He he look, was watching the ball after he hit it on the highlight. He thought he had a home run. So he kind of goes into a home run trot. He's kind of watching and then realizes, oh, no, this is the most cavernous ballpark in America. And I've got to run a little bit here. So... It ends up being an RBI double. I think for anybody else on the team, it would have been an RBI triple. Uh, And then Oscar Gonzalez comes up with a runner in scoring position. He hits one directly at the left fielder, a line, uh, well, you know, through the left side, but right at the left fielder. He hits it at 103.6 miles per hour. He hit the ball so hard, he took an RBI away from himself. Now, again, it doesn't help that Naylor is the runner at second base, the slowest guy in the team right now, but... He hit the ball so hard. Oscar Gonzalez hit the ball so hard that Naylor couldn't come in to score. So it's an interesting thing for Oscar Gonzalez where he gets a hit with runner in scoring position, but he doesn't get the RBI. Instead, after an Andres Jimenez strikeout, which I was surprised to see because Jimenez has been hitting the ball well, Palacios comes up and he delivers as the DH. He shoots one out in the left field, takes an outside pitch. Oh man, there is nothing sweeter than taking an outside pitch and going the opposite way with it. He shoots one out on the left field. That brings Naylor into score. The rally would end there. Hedges would line out. Um, but it's a nice little rally from the Guardians to score two runs. Three hits. They deliver three hits in this inning with runners in scoring position. That's big stuff from the Guardians offense. And uh, yeah, Palacios had a decent day. Two for four there in that uh, eight hole as the DH. I mean, it's interesting, but like, who else are you going to DH on this team, right? I mean, it's not that deep of a bench with Reyes out. Uh, frankly, you think Oscar Gonzalez is going to get some of that DH time, but I guess they want to play him in the field, want him to be more part of the game and show what he can do in right field. 
So, I mean, you got to know if he's going to be an everyday outfielder when Reyes comes back. So he's getting time in the field right now. And Palacios, uh, you know, against a right-handed starter is going to get those DH, is going to get those at-bats as the lefty. Um, so, yeah, so it's a nice rally in the fourth. And then, like I said, a couple of zeros until the sixth inning of Palacios starting things again. He ends one rally. He starts the next rally. Well, I wish to say ends the rally. I guess Hedges technically ended the rally. He gets the last big hit of the rally in the fourth. And then in the seventh, he kicks things off with a double. Hedges would sack bunt him over. Now, I get it at that point. Frankly, Hedges, your nine hitter, your catcher, he's not in there for his hitting, right? Occasionally, Hedges steps into one and hits a home run, but he's not in there for his hitting. And a 2-0 game, the difference between 2-0 and 3-0 is huge at that point. So to get one more run, I get the sack bunt. But then the Tigers just do it to themselves. Walks to Strong, Quan load the bases in front of Jose Ramirez with one out. And that's just not going to work out well for you. And I love the pitch sequencing here because, you know, you show you show them too much. You show them the same pitch too many times, and you're really, really going to pay. And that's exactly what happens here. Um, this is Jason Foley comes out of the bullpen after Jacob Barnes had walked the bases loaded. So Foley, I mean, what a position to be in for Foley now, right? You've got the bases loaded, and you've got the perennial MVP candidate and an all-star Jose Ramirez up with the bases loaded. You got nowhere to put him. What are you going to do with this guy? Well, he throws him three singers at the knees. I I don't understand this at all. I don't know how much other stuff Jason Foley has, but he throws him, I'm guessing it's a two-seam sinker kind of pitch. Throws him one in the dirt for ball one. Throws him one that he misses outside for ball two. And then throws him another one right down the middle of the plate at the knees. And he turns on it at 110.1 mile per hour exit velocity. Shoots it down the right field line over the first base bag. It actually hits the corner of the wall out there where it juts out. And shoots out into right field. And Jose Ramirez, unlike Josh Naylor, which again, I don't blame Josh Naylor completely. Jose Ramirez is running out of the box. He takes off out of the box. He's thinking, I'm going to get every single base I can out of this thing. And he's in there with a triple pretty easily, clears the bases, and just blows this game wide open. And that's what Jose Ramirez has been doing. He's just been delivering RBIs all season long. And then why not? Let's give uh, Jose Ramirez one more at-bat. Well, you know, I shouldn't say that first. Uh, Does the rally end there? I don't believe the rally ends there. Owen Miller would strike out, but Josh Naylor singles to bring him in. Again, Naylor singling to bring in Ramirez. Another hit from Naylor. Another RBI. Another job bringing in Jose Ramirez. That's why he's got to be betting behind him. He's got to be his protection in the lineup. Ramirez, Naylor, Gonzalez, then Owen Miller. I think that's a better combination. Owen Miller strikes out with that runner on third base. But Naylor delivers a two RBI uh, hit. Oscar Gonzalez lines out at 96.4 miles per hour, so I can't really blame him there. Uh, Gonzalez has another great day at the play for the rookie. He's batting 500. He goes two for four again, this time with a double. Um, doesn't get that RBI because, like we said, Naylor can't run that well. Um, but he's got four hard hit balls on the day. Every single at bat, he had a hard hit ball on the day. The only at bat that doesn't go for a hard hit ball is when Oscar Mercado comes in defensively for him. And ends up with a weak, weak out 
uh, in the final at bat for the sixth hole in the lineup. That's the only time a ball is not hard hit when the other Oscar comes in. So Oscar Gonzalez with another monster day there. Unfortunately, the line out, you know, gets caught. You know, you can't be, you can't have that great a bat bip, uh, batting average balls in play. Sometimes you're going to hit them at somebody. So yeah, they score another run and then Ramirez gets another at bat. Uh, and this time against Drew Carlton with a runner on, um, starts him off with a changeup away that he gets for a called strike and then decides to come in at the thighs with a fastball. And I'm sorry, that's just Jose Ramirez's nitro zone. Like he's going to turn on that low inside pitch. He hits at 106.4 miles per hour, this time 422 feet to the seats in right field, a no doubt about it home run. Uh, I told you there's some Twitter account out there called Would It Dong, and it tells you what, you know how many major league ballparks would this be a home run, in, home run in. Like Josh Naylor's would have been a home run. I think it was only like 6 of 30, something like that. It was single digits. Uh, ballparks, it would have been a home run in. Whereas in Tiger Stadium... You know, it's a triple in the LA for for him a double. Jose Ramirez, I think it was thirty out of thirty. This would have been a home run. He crushes this one. I'm so glad as a Guardians fan that they are still pitching to Jose Ramirez. Right? Wouldn't it just suck all the life out of the game if they pitched around Jose Ramirez every single time he was up? It really is the, like the big thing we've got going for us right now. This is our guy. This is our perennial MVP candidate right here. And uh, he is our entertainment out there on the field. So uh, a ninth inning home run extends that lead even more, makes it 8-1 to one at this point. Like I said, the Tigers do load the bases, a single from Castro, and then he strikes out Candelario. A single from the other Castro, a walk to Daz Cameron loads the bases, but then he strikes out Tucker Barnhart. That's Classe coming in that ninth inning to end the game. So something he doesn't normally do, get a lot of strikeouts, uh, he racks up two in the ninth inning to get himself out of it, shake off a little bit of rust. So it's a great job by uh, Guardians pitching on the day. And, I mean, just a huge, huge offensive game from Jose Ramirez. Five RBIs on the day. He goes two for four with three runs scored, a triple, a homer, and five RBIs, and a walk, by the way. Uh, three hard-hit balls on the day for Jose Ramirez. He climbed the Guardians leaderboard, the Cleveland franchise leaderboard, for uh, having a homer and a triple in the same game. I think threw the stat up on the screen, or I saw it on Twitter briefly. Uh, you know, there were a few people ahead of him. Grady Sizemore was a few ahead of him. I can't remember the other names on the list, but it was an interesting mix of names there that have tripled and homered in the same game. Uh, for the Guardians and done it multiple, multiple times for Cleveland. I know they've only been the Guardians for one year in Cleveland franchise history. All right, uh, more about Jose Ramirez because why, we should be talking more about Jose Ramirez. Um, we got to look at the AL leaderboard, and I'm over on Fangraphs now checking out the AL leaderboard. Where does this guy stack up for MVP right now? Well, I can tell you as far as F war goes, right? Fangraphs war rankings, war value. If we want to add it all together, he is second right now behind Mike Trout. Trout is at 3.1 war. Jose Ramirez is at 2.9. Rafael Devers from Boston is right behind him at 2.8. And then Aaron Judge at 2.7. Those are the guys that are running away with the war uh, leaderboard right now. Those four guys are basically your competition for MVP. 
And I got to say, uh, you know, Devers is doing it with the batting average. Uh, Judge is doing it with the home runs. Ramirez is doing it with the RBIs. And Trout's a little bit of everything. Um, when it comes to weighted WRC plus, weighted runs created plus, where league average is set to 100, Trout, again, is leading at 214. He's 114% better than league average at creating runs. Jose Ramirez is right behind him at 197. Judge is at 195. J.D. Martinez from Boston is actually up there at 194. And then Devers. Um, J.D. Martinez has a 376 batting average. Now, Ramirez is only hitting 297. And a lot of these guys are hitting over 300. Judge, Trout, Martinez, Devers, Ty France from Seattle, Arise from Minnesota, Tim Anderson, J.P. Crawford from Seattle. Those guys are all over 300. Xander Bogarts. So he's probably not going to win the batting average title. I mean, he could. He could go on a ridiculous streak here and get back into the batting average race. And obviously, some of these numbers will come back towards 300. One thing he is doing is uh, he's not striking out. Jose Ramirez is not striking out. Um, when we look at some of the advanced numbers here, his walk-to-strikeout ratio is the best in the American League at 1.71 walks per strikeout. Uh, actually, tied with Yandy Diaz there. from Remember the old Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Indian himself, Yandy Diaz, who we had to trade to Tampa Bay, He's tied with him there as far as efficiency goes for walks to strikeouts. So that is one thing that Ramirez is doing better than anybody else is he's limiting his strikeouts. Only a 7.6% K rate. That is really, really good amongst these leaders here. Now, when it comes to some of the old school numbers, home runs, judges up at 17 home runs leading the American League. Trout at 13. Jose Ramirez right behind him at 12. Tied with Jordan Alvarez from Houston. And then RBIs, he is absolutely running away with the field. 48 RBIs for Jose Ramirez. And next closest is Trevor Story at 37, who's had like an insane two weeks to get back, get his offense going again and get back in the conversation of being a relevant player. So Trevor Story is 11 behind him. Judge is at 36. Uh, Trout is at 28 RBIs. That's it. Um, so really running away with the field as far as RBIs go. Um, some other advanced stats worth noting. Uh, OPS. Uh, remember, on-base plus slugging percentage. Pretty simple number here, but a pretty important number. Uh, Trout is first at 1.095. Jose Ramirez is right behind him at 1.037. Again, the other guys over 1,000 are Judge and J.D. Martinez. Endeavors right behind him at 978. Those are your leaders right now in OPS. Um, other things that he is doing well, Jose Ramirez, when it comes to win probability added, a little bit different than WRC+. This is win probability average. This takes into leverage and, and other things taken into account in this. Uh, Jose Ramirez is fifth. Ty France from Seattle is actually first in this, above Judge, above Trout, uh, and above Jose Ramirez. So, that's pretty impressive. Obviously, some of these West Coast guys we don't hear a lot about in Cleveland. I do think this is interesting. The RE24, if you've never heard of me talk about this, this is run expectancy based on the 24 different possible situations that a runner, that a hitter can find himself in. It's a pretty crazy stat. It's one you're not going to hear a lot about. But Jose Ramirez is leading all of baseball in that by a wide margin. Uh, 29.08. 
Ty France is second at 25.08. So a huge gap in the RE24 for what it's worth, if, if you know anything about that stat. Uh, and then the other one I wanted to, wanted to look at was pitch value. And uh, Jose Ramirez is doing his damage against fastballs. Uh, he is second in the American League with a weighted value against fastballs. Luis Arise is from Minnesota is first at 11.5, Ramirez at 11.4, and then Judge at 10.8. Judge is destroying sliders, though. Uh, 7.1 weighted value against sliders. Him and Austin Hayes from Baltimore are destroying sliders. And then uh, Jose Ramirez is doing okay against changeups. Uh, that's the other pitch. As far as the leaderboard goes, he doesn't rank very high. He's 15th in uh, the American League against changeups, but it's a 2.4 weighted value against changeups. Jose Abreu from Chicago is leading at 4.4 against changeups. So in, when it comes to fastballs, that's definitely where Jose Ramirez is making his money this year with the 11.4 weighted value against fastballs. So yeah, so those are the numbers. You tell me. Does it sound like Jose Ramirez is your AL MVP right now, kind of feels like maybe he's just right behind Trout, right? He's definitely in that conversation. He's definitely in the top three for AL MVP right now. It's going to be really interesting to see who's going to start at third base for the American League in the All-Star game, him or Devers. I mean, those guys are neck and neck when it comes to war at 2.9 and 2.8. Uh, Ramirez has some better counting numbers, but Devers got the better batting average. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, obviously, we got to come out and, you know, we got to support the guy. If we want him to be starting in the All-Star game, we're going to have to start voting for him and get him, up, get him up there because a big market like Boston sure will be voting for Devers. So, you know, when it comes, in, you know, something like this, it's in the fans' hands a little bit too. So we'll see if Ramirez can earn that starting spot on the AL All-Star team. He'll definitely be there. He'll definitely be there, but I mean, two guys are elite at third base right now in the American League, and it's Devers and Jose Ramirez. So uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. There's going to be a lot of Boston guys, I think. Even though Boston's uh, record hasn't been great this season, there's a lot of guys that are having individually good seasons offensively. So there should be a lot of representation for Boston in the All-Star game. For Cleveland, ooh, it's going to be rough. I mean, it it might just be Jose Ramirez by himself representing the American representing Cleveland in the All-Star game. Can you think of a pitcher that really McKenzie? I mean, could a young McKenzie get in there as a pitcher? I don't know. We'll have to take a look maybe next his next time up to see where he ranks in the American League in some of those pitching numbers. But I thought it was fun to check in after a huge day from Jose Ramirez to check in where he's at in all those different categories and where he ranks amongst the rest of the American League. So he's obviously we got a long season to go. A lot can change with those numbers. Guys are going to get hot. Guys are going to get cold. So we'll see how the American League MVP shakes out by the end of the season. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. A fun, fun offensive day for Cleveland. And let's keep it rolling, please. Come on, Guardians. Let's go win this series, a series we Definitely, definitely should win. Speaking of McKenzie, he is on the mound uh, against Rodriguez for the Tigers. Not the Rodriguez that they signed in the offseason. This is Elvin Rodriguez, uh, a rookie for them. This will be his third start, it looks like. He faced Chicago and then Minnesota. Uh, it didn't go particularly well 
and he gave up four runs in both of those games. Uh, so we'll see. It'll be our first time facing him. So we'll see what the right-hander has. He's 24 years old. Uh, yeah, so it'll be a good challenge for the Guardians facing a guy they've never seen before. And McKenzie, he's 3-3 three and three on the season right now. Wins, I know, don't matter that much, but a 2.7 ERA is nice to see. So McKenzie is going to run out there and see if he can win the series. This is, this is we need to win the series right now. We need, just need to focus on winning series. And maybe by the All-Star break, that record will be back to where we want it to be. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Detroit. It's the Guardians 8, the Tigers 1. We'll be back tomorrow to talk McKenzie. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. I asked you last time, you know, how are you feeling about Shane Bieber? I'll ask you again. Email in ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know how you're feeling about Shane Bieber. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, if you want to do it like an old school radio show, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.